Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. So this is Holy Day, the first day we call of of Holy Week. And so let us remember why it's a parade day. Let us remember why we celebrate this day. Listen to the story as Mark has told it to us. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? The two disciples told them what Jesus had said, and the bystanders allowed them to take the colt. The two disciples brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat upon it. Many people spread their cloaks in the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So I was in scouting and was on a camp out with the Order of the Arrow, they call it. I'm sure that my leaders had told me what to expect this weekend, but I was 13 and was not listening to adults. And so it took me by surprise when my scout leader tapped me on the shoulder and pointed to the right and said, go out there. It was was dusk, and we were walking in a single-file line away from the lodge out into the woods. No one was talking. That was part of the deal for Order the Arrow. You didn't talk the whole weekend, a challenge in and of itself. And... From behind, my scout leader tapped me on the shoulder and said, take 50 paces out there and spend the night. In the morning, you can come back to the lodge. Well, I had camped many times before, but usually with a tent and always with my buddies. But 50 paces out there somewhere was pretty alone. I I walked out. I found an open spot. I got my sleeping bag, which I did not use for sleeping that night. It was dark, really noisy with noises you didn't want to hear. And so I felt very much alone. Now, Now, you know how I am with mornings. We're not close. 
But that morning, I showed. I was the third scout to show up at the lodge. It was just about dawn. It had been a long night. You, you know, when you're doing something, even if it's something you have done often before, when you feel that you're doing it alone, it changes everything. I think Jesus understood that. It was quite a crowd on this parade day. Everyone who was anyone, or actually better said, everyone who was no one, was there. This was a gathering of the oppressed and occupied people that seen parades before. Usually they were of the Roman army. They came on horseback, the glint of steel flashing through the dust. The purpose of those parades was to remind the people of their place. You can have your God, but we have the sword, and the sword will win. Vladimir Putin loves that parade. But Jesus' parade is different. There are no weapons. There's no intimidation. This was a joyful parade of folks who believed that the one who was riding on the donkey had not come to demean them or belittle them or destroy their children. No, he had come for them. They trusted that he could see them, really see them their hopes, their fears, their weariness, their dusty feet. He rides the donkey into the city because he loves the city, and he'll do anything for those he loves. But there's an irony in this story, for as clearly as Jesus sees them, it is also clear that their view of him is a bit blurred This is the common thing in the life of Jesus, and we've bumped into this blurry vision, this blindness even at times, numerous times in Mark's gospel as he describes the significance of Jesus to us. Mark is convinced he's pretty hard to see even when he's right in front of us. And the inability for us to see him means he must have experienced much of his life feeling like he wasn't really seen. And that, that must have left him feeling quite lonely. Mark has a very artistic way of showing us this loneliness. The story's all about the crowd. They're shouting Hosanna. They're, they're throwing branches on the ground so that Jesus has a green carpet to ride on. They're taking their cloaks off, a show of honor to, to, to honor him as he comes into the city. But, but the parade, when it reaches the city wall, it's as if the crowd vanishes. It's as if they disappear. Because as Mark tells it, Jesus goes into the city by himself. It was all they, 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 and then it says, he entered the city, and he looked around. Now, we know the crowd didn't go away. They wouldn't come up to the city wall and say, well, that's enough for now. No need to go in. No, it's a little theological art that Mark gives us. First, Jesus felt that 
this part he had to do by himself. This hard work was his alone to do. So I've I've taken a while to get to the point, but here's the sermon. Sometimes faithfulness is lonely work. I'm not going to say any more than that, but I'm still going to talk. Uh, But if you got that, sometimes faithfulness is lonely work. Sometimes when you're trying to stand tall when everybody around you is falling apart. Sometimes when you're trying to speak the truth when the air around you is filled with misinformation and lies. Sometimes when you're trying to choose kindness, when those around you are eager to call out every flaw and picadillo of those they look down on, sometimes that can feel lonely. In Jeremy Surrey's book, The Impossible Presidency, he said, Franklin Roosevelt once said, when you're president, everybody who walks through that door wants something from you. That's when you learn just how lonely this job is. Well, I'm, I'm not president, thanks be to God. But I think the walk of faith is lonely. Because what God wants of you and me is not often what others around us want from us. You may remember that our signature mission last year was artists helping the homeless. Car Wu, their director, he, he was with us one Sunday last fall, and, and he's worshiped with us, and he, he brings many of the men he serves to our gathering service often. Carr came to us and said that he's got housing for homeless all around the city, but not in Johnson County, but he owned a home that he bought for his parents in Johnson County, and he wanted to, now that that they had died, he wanted to use that home for uh, transitional housing for homeless folks. His mission there has been met with some resistance, some of it civil, some of it not, some of it quite unkind and ugly. He has been called names. He's been sued. He's had eggs thrown at his house. He told me he feels blessed to be doing this work, but that it also feels a bit lonely. He said, do you, do you know what I mean? I said, someday I'll tell you about building a food pantry. Sometimes trying to do what God calls us to do can feel lonely. It was true for Jesus. It's probably been true for you. Because the truth is, what God asks of us is not always the same thing as those around us want from us. Last week, we welcomed Reverend Jimmy Hawkins. He talked to us about the challenges of poverty and, and of the realities of racism in our culture. That's not a new conversation for us here at Village. We've been talking about that for 60 years. But sometimes it feels a bit lonely. Some of you are teaching children or feeding the hungry or working to build community in places where the world has passed by. It's slow and it's always challenging and it can feel lonely. Some of you are laboring in a violent world to 
find some way to reduce the gun violence in our culture. And with every new shooting, it must feel that nobody's listening. I I don't know what kept Jesus going. When he realized that even those who knew him the best still couldn't quite see him, those that knew, those closest to him still didn't fully understand what he had to do, what he must do, I don't know what kept him going unless unless he just imagined a day would come when others would follow him all the way. And that day wouldn't be so lonely. So when Carol and I were first married, her parents would come visit us. They they lived out of town or as they like to say we lived out of town. And they would, so when they would come, they would come stay a while. It seemed to me long enough to have their mail forwarded to us. When, when, my, when my father-in-law arrived, it was like having the gang from this old house show up. He just cruised the house with a screwdriver looking for things to repair, which he said were quite, was quite easy to do, see, find things that needed to re- be repaired. He, I, said, I said, Bob, how can I help? He said, you know, why, why, don't, why don't you go work on your sermon? I'm sure that needs work. I, I've got this. I would come home at the end of the day and get the report while well, I fixed that shelf in the closet and you can open the window in the, in the bedroom now. And that leaky faucet, that was, that was easy to fix. I think even you could have handled that, Tom. My mother-in-law was like having a mix of Martha Stewart and the guys from OxyClean show up. She, 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 would, she would cook and she sewed curtains and she cleaned everything, even took the knobs off of the oven to clean under there. I said, I didn't even know those knobs came off. She said, yes, I know. <laughs> the whole time they were there, I was saying, look, you don't have to do that. No, 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 that's too much. You've done enough. You don't have to do that. Look, we'll dust the attic on your next visit. You don't have to do that. But of course I was wrong, they had to do it. There was not a 12-step program that could break them of this practice because this was a way that they showed their daughter that they loved her more than life itself. And they were also motivated out of concern over her choice of husbands. (laughs) All of that changed. All of that changed in one visit. Well, what I didn't say, this is the important part. They were gracious, they were industrious, and all that activity kind of got on my nerves. But that's what changed in a moment. The day after our daughter was born, they told us we could go home. I said, today? Yes, you can go home. Now look, when we went to the hospital, I knew we were just visiting. I knew we had, we weren't moving in. But I thought when they said you could go home, I would be more prepared to be a father, that I would be more prepared to have a daughter. I mean, I had read the books. I had talked to some other guys who were dads. But somehow I thought when they said, you can go now, that I would feel ready for this, but I didn't. 
I'm not sure I still do. Within 24 hours of our daughter being born, my in-laws showed up. They arrived with their screwdrivers and sanitizers and baby powder. And I was so glad to see them because I knew what an amazing job they had done raising their little girl. And I didn't want to raise mine alone. It took their visit and my growing up a bit to realize even when I don't know what I'm doing, I'm not alone. I think because Jesus was willing to go through it alone, to walk the walk of faith alone, it means you and I never have to walk it alone. Carwoo said to me, I hope we have not caused trouble for village. He knew that some of those who opposed him had reached out to us, sometimes kindly, but not always. I said, Carr, don't worry about that. We're okay. We are proud of what you are doing. The people you serve are God's children, too. And I know it's hard, but you're not alone. We're with you. This walk of faith, it can be lonely. Because what God wants of you and me is not always the same thing as what others want from us. But Jesus knows that. So he has given us each other. Don't take that for granted. He's given us each other. That's why this worship time matters, that we do it together, that we might remember that this walk of faith is not one we are walking by ourselves. No, we are walking it with each other. So when the going gets hard, when taking the high road becomes challenging, when you're trying to stand tall in a world that seems like all the adults have left the room, remember you're not alone. We are walking it together. I think that may be what kept Jesus going. He imagined a day when we would be in it with one another. And he gave everything he had to give to make that day possible. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.